A quick disclaimer about today's episode. Pseudonyms have been used throughout to protect the privacy and safety of a few living people. As far back as Mark remembered, he had been fascinated by space. And now, as a college junior, he concentrated all of his time on achieving his dream of working in aerospace engineering. Nothing in the industry slipped by him. He was always reading about new breakthroughs in space travel. Until one day, while working as a teacher's assistant, he heard about someone completely new. All of the students in the class seemed to know this person, and the professor he helped passionately spoke about their work. Apparently, he and his company had been active for over a decade, since 2002. Mark knew he had to look him up later, so he wrote down his name, Elon Musk. He got home, opened up a search engine, and felt like he'd entered another dimension. Apparently, this Elon Musk had founded a massive aerospace engineering company, SpaceX. He planned to colonize Mars, and there were dozens of articles about Musk and SpaceX dating back years. It felt impossible that Mark missed this before. His lifelong passion was space exploration, and it seemed like Musk had just popped out of nowhere. He posted about his experience on Reddit, where others quickly validated him. They told Mark that they too had only noticed the entrepreneurial giant enter their reality a few months ago. Tesla, SpaceX, all of it was brand new to them. They couldn't recall Musk or his business ventures ever existing before mid-2017. Some would explain away Mark and others' reactions by saying that SpaceX simply made splashier headlines in 2017. It garnered enough attention to drive it into pop culture. But Mark wasn't so sure. He believed he'd never heard of Elon Musk before because Musk had come from an alternate universe. He had just experienced the Mandela Effect. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a ParCast original. Every week we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But... We are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Conspiracy Theories for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar. This is our first and only episode on the Mandela Effect, a mysterious phenomenon where a group of people remembers a past event differently than the rest of the public. Officially, the Mandela Effect is said to be caused by collective false memories. Sometimes people remember things incorrectly. But then there are the conspiracy theories. We'll cover two of them today. Conspiracy theory number one. The Mandela Effect is evidence of alternate realities created by modern-day scientists. In attempts to learn about the universe, they may have split it in pieces. And some people may have gotten stuck in the wrong reality. And conspiracy theory number two. 
Examples of the Mandela Effect are evidence we live in a computer simulation. And if we live in a computer simulation, every time someone experiences the Mandela Effect, they're experiencing a glitch in the system, a computer error or a virus, and there's no way to know what part of our reality will change next. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There are moments when we just know something isn't right. A chill down your spine, the strange feeling that you've forgotten something, or maybe even an eerie sense of deja vu as you talk with a friend. But worst of all is something more foreboding, the feeling something's off with the entire world around you, and you might not belong in this universe. Many call this the Mandela Effect. The Mandela Effect entered cultural consciousness in 2008, when paranormal expert Fiona Broom saw a news story about the former president of South Africa, Nelson Mandela. It was a generic story about his latest speaking tour. But it surprised her because she was certain that Nelson Mandela was dead. Broom was convinced he died back in the 1980s. She remembered Nelson Mandela's televised funeral in vivid detail. She recalled his widow giving a heartfelt speech and the intense sense of sadness felt around the world. But as Broom found out, Nelson Mandela was still going strong in 2008 at age 90. Broom was taken aback, but she kept it to herself, assuming the intense revelation must have been her own mistake. Two years later, Broom was attending Dragon Con 2010 when she struck up a conversation with a security guard. He told her something odd. He also remembered Nelson Mandela dying in the 1980s, and he claimed they weren't the only two who believed it. Broom was so taken by this bizarre coincidence, she wrote a blog post about it. Afterwards, hundreds of people reached out in her blog's comment section and an email saying they too remembered Nelson Mandela's death. It felt like a safe space to express their confusion without anyone calling them crazy. Broom felt shocked and validated. But no one could explain how this happened. It couldn't be that hundreds of strangers had this exact same memory mix-up. The odds seemed just too high. Making the situation even stranger, more and more people kept posting about their experiences with what became known as the Mandela Effect. Except these new accounts had nothing to do with Nelson Mandela. Instead, they focused on some of their favorite childhood memories, especially of pop culture. Some reported that the title of a beloved book series had changed. Instead of the Berenstain Bears, it seemed that the titles were altered to Berenstain Bears. This wasn't on just one edition. All the books going back decades had seemingly changed. All of the merchandise, the television show, even the author's names, Stan and Jan Berenstain, appeared to have changed, all without anyone noticing. Again, thousands of people flocked to the internet. They seemed to be having the same collective memory, but the world around them had changed. And it wasn't just the family of beloved cartoon bears. More instances of this were popping up all the time. To many, it felt like the world altered its history every day. During game nights all around the world, families realized that the famous Mr. Monopoly had lost his trademark monocle. 
While teachers were reading Curious George to their students, they noticed the mischievous monkey was missing his tail. Children watching TV noticed that the title for the Bugs Bunny cartoons had changed. Instead of reading Looney Tunes with two O's, the letters read Tunes with a U. Some had watched countless hours of these cartoons and felt like the rug had been pulled out from under them. The Looney Tunes were cartoons, not musicals. The new spelling didn't even make sense. It felt as if a giant prank was being pulled, and the general public was the target. And that wasn't the end of it. A few people pointed out something in the grocery store. One of their favorite lunch meat brands had changed. Everyone knows the old tune to the Oscar Mayer song, but this latest group of people were convinced Mayer was spelled with two E's rather than M-A-Y-E-R. Searching for proof, some went home to look at their childhood toys and found their old weenie whistles. But even the letters on the side of these concrete pieces of evidence appeared to have been altered to have an A instead of an E. With each new minuscule revelation, the world seemed to get more foreign. To some, it became clear that this wasn't the Earth they had grown up on. Countless others seemed to agree. It felt like one day they had all woken up and been placed in a new reality. As a sense of hysteria made the rounds online, it was only a matter of time before large media outlets reported on the story. While many worried, others saw it as nothing more than an online hoax, a viral joke. An internet prank isn't out of the question, but scientists have a deeper explanation for the Mandela effect. Parapsychologist Ken Drinkwater was among the first to suggest the official story, that the Mandela effect is a simple case of false memories. In short, our memories aren't as concrete as we like to believe. Neuroscientist Daniela Schiller told MIT Technology Review, each time you retrieve a memory, it undergoes this storage process. We don't really remember the original, we remember the revised version. This idea was first shown by something called the fuzzy trace theory, which was proposed by psychologists Charles Brainerd and Valerie Reyna. According to fuzzy trace theory, our brain creates two different types of memories when we witness an event, gist memory and verbatim memory. As the name suggests, the gist collects only the basic information, while the verbatim focuses on the more intricate, nuanced details. Naturally, gist memories last a lot longer, while verbatim ones become fuzzier over time. Think about a first date from a few years or decades back. You may remember the person and then how you felt about them. But it's less likely that you remember that person's eye color or what exactly you had to eat that night. But oftentimes, when you think back on a memory like that, your brain fills in the gaps with the wrong verbatim information. For example, you might remember wearing a purple shirt that you'd actually worn on a different date. That's a big part of where false memories come from, according to criminal psychologist Julia Shaw. In an interview with Wired magazine, she said, when we need to recall verbatim, it can lead to confabulation, assuming pieces that weren't originally there. We embellish our gist memories. And these embellishments can either come from ourselves or from the suggestion of others. You may not remember what you ate on that date, 
But if you ran into the person you went out to dinner with and they reminded you of the baked Alaska you had for dessert, your brain will fill in the memory with that information. Whether or not it's true is a completely different story. You may have never even eaten dessert with them, but after talking to your friend, baked Alaska is now an integral part of that verbatim memory. It doesn't matter if you actually ate apple pie or tiramisu. You won't remember. That's what most researchers mean when they say memories are recalled and reconstructed. And that's what most scientists believe causes the Mandela effect. Almost all of the examples of the Mandela effect come from a childhood memory of a piece of media. These are so-called verbatim details, material we're likely to invent. It gives credence to the idea that the Mandela effect is nothing more than a collection of false memories. After all, when we're children, we're still developing and the world feels brand new. It's not so far-fetched to think we couldn't pronounce an unusual name, for example, the Berenstain Bears. Instead, our brains may have gone to the easiest default of how to say a name, like Berenstain, and that stuck. And now, when someone tells you it's different, it doesn't seem right. Or their mere suggestion altered your memories. You might not have ever paid attention to Curious George's lack of tail. But when you read a story online that says he used to have one, you imagine him with a tail, and your memories become filled with that false fact. Now expand this idea to something on a larger scale, an event millions witnessed all over the world, like the death of a famous person. Maybe Fiona Broom saw an impassioned speech from Nelson Mandela's wife in the 1980s. She recorded the gist memory, but over time, her verbatim became fuzzy. And as she recalled the memory, her brain filled in the gaps and jumped to the conclusion that Nelson Mandela had died. Then again, this is only the official story. It's possible experts and scientists from all different fields want the world to believe your memories are faulty, but maybe they're using that to hide something nefarious. Perhaps they were the ones who caused the Mandela effect by taking a grand experiment, the size of which the world had never seen, a step too far when they try to play God. Coming up, we'll dive into the conspiracy theories and how the actions of modern-day scientists might have unintentionally split the universe in half. Now, back to the story. Around 2010, people across the world noticed a shift in their reality. Things that they had once known to be true, like the deaths of influential people or the names of cartoon characters, had suddenly changed. The phenomenon became known as the Mandela Effect. The phrase was first coined by paranormal expert Fiona Broom, who didn't buy into the official story. Broom didn't think false memories caused the Mandela Effect. For her, it seemed a little too far-fetched that this many people were having the same false memories. With each new person coming forward, it appeared less like a coincidence. Instead, Broom saw these instances as proof of an alternate reality. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number one. The Mandela Effect is evidence that some people in our universe were born in a different one. A universe very similar to ours, but with a few small differences. Somehow, they unknowingly jumped between the universes and got stuck in the wrong reality. It's a heady thought, but online sleuths have narrowed down a concrete event that they blame for their so-called jump through the multiverse. 
There's one place in time when they believe that this all began, the CERN facility in Switzerland in 1998. CERN was created as a facility where the most brilliant nuclear scientists from Europe gathered to do nuclear research. But it's well known that their focus eventually switched to something a little different and even more substantial. Two years before Broom's original post about the Mandela effect, scientists at the CERN facilities in Switzerland focused on the creation of the universe. The scientists at CERN wanted to replicate the moments right after the Big Bang, only on a smaller scale. The scientists were chasing something called the Higgs boson. It's a subatomic particle, more commonly referred to by the public as the God particle, because it might hold the secrets of the universe. Some scientists theorized that at the beginning of the universe, before the Big Bang, everything was symmetric and nothing had mass. They theorized that this subatomic particle, this Higgs boson, gave mass to all of the particles in the universe in the moments after the Big Bang. All of the building blocks of life, every atom made up of neutrons, protons, electrons, wouldn't exist without it. Think of those elements as the flour and water and dough, all vital but formless. This God particle acts like the yeast. It gives rise and structure to everything in our universe. Without it, our universe would just be a mass of swirling materials. Scientists thought if they found this God particle, it might unlock the secrets of the universe and maybe a gateway to another one. However, no one had been able to observe the Higgs boson because of its extremely fast rate of decay. The components that make up the boson naturally break down too quickly for us to see it. In order to prove the existence of the Higgs boson, scientists had to create the circumstances under which it would exist. They had to create a reaction of their own that simulated the Big Bang. If they observed the aftermath, they might record proof of this God particle. So in search of the Higgs boson, the team started construction on the largest particle collider in existence in 1998. It took over 10 years to dig a 17-mile loop under the CERN facilities in Geneva. But when they were done, they had the largest particle collider ever built housed inside. The particle collider is made up of thousands of superconducting magnets, each one meant to help accelerate protons until they collided. Right after each impact, scientists could observe conditions similar to that of the Big Bang. CERN named it the Large Hadron Collider, and in 2008, the team at CERN were set to conduct their first full-scale recreation of the Big Bang. Naturally, this made international headlines. There was no way to keep that level of construction and that size of machine a complete secret. And the press ushered in a new problem. Some news watchers worried that these scientists were playing God. Since the outcomes of this massive scale particle collision were unknown, they feared that instead of explaining the origins of life, the machine would end it. Dissenters were convinced that the scientists might accidentally create a new universe or a black hole that swallowed everything in sight. The scariest part? Everyone knew the date that they were going to run their first experiment, September 10th, 2008, 
but not the time. The world held its breath, not knowing the minute in which everything might come to an end. But then something miraculous occurred. Nothing happened. The machine had been turned on and was a success, creating the intended particle reaction. Yet the world kept turning. We were all still here. All seemed normal. We hadn't been sucked into a black hole, but maybe things had changed. According to conspiracy theorists, each time the Hadron Collider fired up, it either one, created a new universe, or two, it caused waves throughout space and time, aligning our universe with another. During this alignment, we might have swapped a few details with this other universe, or perhaps a few people. Either way, it gave us the same result, the Mandela Effect. While this conspiracy theory may seem unbelievable, it's backed by theoretical science. It's known as the Many Worlds Theory of Quantum Mechanics. It was first introduced by the revolutionary physicist Hugh Everett. In simple terms, Everett's theory means that every time a large quantum experiment, like the one at CERN, is conducted, it creates an alternate timeline or reality, sometimes known as a parallel universe. And while it may seem like a radical idea, many of the world's leading physicists believe in it. The scientists at CERN said the experiment in 2008 had made a mini Big Bang. So if you ascribe to the many worlds theory of quantum physics, a parallel universe was created in 2008. But that was just the beginning. While they were happy with their first test, they weren't just going to stop. After all, they didn't spend millions of dollars for only one test. So they kept running more tests, possibly creating a new universe each and every time. While the exact schedule of the Large Hadron Collider in 2008 and 2009 is unknown, it wasn't uncommon for the scientists to use it for weeks on end. And each time the machine created a miniature Big Bang, conspiracy theorists believe we aligned with another universe and swapped out a few details. That's why everything didn't change at once. One day, the collider may have changed the spelling of the Looney Tunes. The next time they used it, Mr. Monopoly lost his monocle. At this point, Maybe the scientists realized what was happening. Then they could have run a simple test to see if the collider could change specific details on purpose. A stepping stone to making more radical alterations to our reality. Larger changes, like the survival of Nelson Mandela, were CERN ratcheting up the testing. The other possibility was that those who experienced the Mandela effect once lived in one universe, but after the collisions at CERN, they were transported into another, a place where things were only slightly different, and now they're trapped in the wrong reality. What we do know is that the Large Hadron Collider succeeded in its mission. In 2012, CERN told the public that they had found evidence of a subatomic particle that shared many characteristics with the theoretical Higgs boson. But this God particle was even more powerful than they had imagined. To some physicists, it was so powerful that it didn't seem like it had come from our world. It went beyond the scope of anything they had seen before. And since it didn't appear to be from our universe, it seemingly confirmed the possibility of alternate dimensions. 
However, not every scientist or physicist out there finds much weight in Hugh Everett's many worlds theory. And even those that find alternate realities possible say it wouldn't matter because we wouldn't be able to transition between the two universes, even with a Large Hadron Collider. In an interview with Vice, physicist Adam Becker said, it's impossible to travel from one universe to another in the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, intentionally or otherwise. The brain is a remarkable and complex thing, but it does not possess the capacity to physically hop between universes. And yet, it's impossible to deny the very convenient timeline it creates. Fiona Broom first documented her experience with the theory online in 2010, two years after the CERN Collider first turned on. If the Collider was first used in 2008, then it makes sense that it took us some time to notice these changes. And it feels a little too convenient that the Large Hadron Collider schedule was hidden, almost like the information was kept secret on purpose to mask CERN's real focus on alternate universes. True, CERN kept a lot of its research hidden from the general public, but it wouldn't be the first time that scientists kept their work under wraps. Think about the development of atomic energy or the secrets of space programs. Scientists often try to keep their breakthroughs from ending up in the wrong hands. And at the end of the day, it's a little hard to believe that only a handful of trivial details changed between dimensions and not world-altering events, like the outcomes of wars or the very existence of the people who supposedly jumped between universes. With all of that said, out of a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is completely believable and 1 is extremely unlikely, we're going to give this theory a 2. The timeline lines up, and there is some scientific backing, but it's too theoretical to take seriously. The ideas have some logic, but there isn't enough hard evidence, and a parallel universe having only minor differences from ours seems unlikely. At the same time, the Large Hadron Collider in CERN isn't the only science-based conspiracy theory connected to the Mandela Effect. There are others who point towards something sinister. Maybe instances of the Mandela Effect are glitches, and we're slaves to a computer simulation. Coming up, the eerie tie between the Mandela Effect and the simulation theory. Now, back to the story. The Mandela Effect captured the world's attention in 2010 when people all over the internet reported that details from the past had changed. Officially, it was a case of false memories and mass hysteria, but some thought it was caused by a quantum experiment gone awry. Others stumbled upon a truly alarming explanation, one involving a futuristic simulation. It ties in to the so-called simulation theory, We've extensively covered this topic before, and if you'd like a deep dive, consider checking out our previous episode on the simulation theory. Put simply, people who believe in the simulation theory think there are supercomputers capable of running hyper-realistic simulations. They also believe that we're living within one of these programs in a simulation. These simulations are so real and convincing that the beings programmed inside, like you and I, can't tell that we're inside the simulations. To put it bluntly, 
The conspiracy theory states that we're living in the Matrix, just like the movie. For example, if you lived your entire life in a box, you would have no idea an entire world existed outside of it. Just like Neo in The Matrix or Truman in The Truman Show. And this idea isn't just shared by internet theorists. Scientists like Neil deGrasse Tyson and industry leaders like Elon Musk think it's a theory that's hard to find an argument against. Our second conspiracy theory is that the Mandela effect is caused by small glitches within the computer simulation. It's possible that the Mandela effect proves the simulation. The so-called glitches in our reality might be just that, a glitch inside of a computer. The only true error is that you and I have noticed. Whoever runs the simulation might be putting us through various tests, trying to see how we respond to different changes. In fact, the Mandela effect might be the most concrete evidence we have that we are living in a simulation. And if we are, who knows what the programmers may change next? Take the 2016 World Series, a series in which two unlikely teams made it all the way to Game 7, the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago Cubs. Both teams hadn't won a world championship for over six decades and had been perpetual underdogs. Something like this seemed like a one in a million chance, but it happened. A rogue programmer might have been trying to see if we noticed anything so unlikely, or maybe they were just trying to give us a little bit of entertainment. Or it could be evidence of a mistake. Maybe we aren't meant to notice anything. If we're living in a simulation, it's possible that there are updates all the time, like patches for computer software. Maybe these people who noticed the Mandela effect were accidentally left off the update. It explains why they still have their memories of the world before it was altered. That said, the Swedish philosopher Nick Bostrom, the first scientist who proposed the theory, doesn't believe the Mandela effect really has any bearings on the simulation theory. In an interview with Vulture, he said, I don't think it's related at all, actually. I think if we assume that we are not in a simulation, you would still expect there to be various reports of anomalies, paranormal phenomena. Some people have delusions, some people misremember something. Sometimes there is a collective phenomenon where a lot of people are mistaken together. I think just from human nature. And yet, the simulation theory is impossible to refute. It's just as likely we exist in a simulation as in an actual world. If we're born into a simulation, we are beholden to its rules and would know nothing else besides this programmed world. Because of this, it's certainly a possibility that the Mandela effect could be the result of a few glitches in our software. Maybe whoever programmed our world made a mistake or left us a few clues to help us escape the matrix. Either way, this conspiracy theory boils down to a simple yes or no. Either we're living in a simulation or we aren't. And if we live in a simulation, it's impossible to find out for sure. Which means it's hard for us to say that a computer program error is causing the Mandela effect. We're giving this theory a 3 out of 10. It certainly explains all the weird and improbable coincidences caused by the Mandela effect. But there's still no way to prove it. Or disprove it. Which is likely why the Mandela effect has been fascinating people for a decade now. Each one of these theories has its own merits and some scientific backing. 
But consider this. When Nelson Mandela was released from prison, he made history. It was a major event in ending apartheid and dominated the news cycle. Profiles on Mandela and articles on his life hit almost every newspaper. Mandela and his wife both appeared on TV internationally, and this happened in February 1990. Perhaps Fiona Broom and those like her remembered the profiles and confused them with obituaries. They remembered emotional televised speeches and assumed they were eulogies. They recalled the gist, the emotional impact, but not the verbatim or the details. False or mixed up memories are the reason why courts have to take witness testimonies in a criminal trial with a grain of salt. Our brains are far from perfect and the way in which we remember things isn't foolproof. It doesn't fully explain why so many people had the exact same memories of something that never happened, like Nelson Mandela dying in prison, nor does it explain the size of the memories, like how an engineering major obsessed with space travel had never heard of Elon Musk and SpaceX. We do think, all things considered, that the official story is the correct one. The studies of false memories and the proof for that phenomenon are impossible to deny. That said, we'll keep an eye out for any changes in our universe. You never know what you'll discover tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back Monday with a new episode. Yes, Monday. We'll be bringing you new episodes twice a week from now on. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other PowerCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite PowerCast originals, like Conspiracy Theories, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Conspiracy Theories on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, Sound design by Billy Pace, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. <laughs>